Health Durban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye Jr. Uh, we're going to start off today's program with a very distinguished gentleman from who is a city council member, University Place, SN Washington. He's a city council member. He's been the past president of the Association of Washington Cities. He's a vice chair of the Sound Transit Board. He was just previously the chair of the Sound Transit Board. And he's also a board member of the National League of Cities. And I'm talking about none other than Kent Keel. Uh, from Pierce County and University Place. So welcome to Urban Forum Northwest, first of all, sir. Now, uh, you had so many hats on. <laughs> I'm just trying to see. I mean, you must be a real likable person to be on having holding all these positions. So why don't you just start off, first of all, talking about how you got interested in politics and how you uh, ascended to be on the council of uh, University Place. Yeah, hey, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, I've listened to your show for many years, off and on, and and uh, you, you've got the reputation in Northwest to uh, of, of, of one that really brings people together and get information. So thank you for for being a part of uh, of your legacy and what you've done for our Northwest. Well, thank you. Uh, I you know I, I really I got into politics kind of happenstance. Uh, for many years, I, I worked, I'm, I'm a technologist uh, by training, uh, software engineer in that, and I did a lot of those things for companies. And uh, I had been working at a school district in King County, and I learned a lot about schools and how they operated and, and things like that. And I still had, at that time had kids in school. And uh, things started happening in my local school system that I didn't care for. And so I decided to run for the school board and won that election. And I actually ended up spending three terms, 11 years on our school board. And um, it was great fun. I, I think we made a lot of uh, positive changes uh, in University Place School District. You know, back in the early 2000s, uh, you know, we're still in the mantra where people thought that, you know, kids of color couldn't learn and, and, you know, we were always the low end of the rung and, and I, you know, my mind was, you know, not so. And, and so uh, as a board member, uh, I was able to really be in the room when people were making decisions about what to do. And uh, that's what I've learned over the years is that um, if you're a person of color, you know, it's, it's great. Uh, and we need people to be on the outside marching and picketing and and, and and doing those kinds of things. And that's absolutely what you talk about me, no. Yeah. <laughs> and you you're great at it. And we need that. We need that. Uh, you know, uh, but and also I think we need people in the boardroom mm -hmm. that's in the room where the decisions are being made. And, and and so uh, you know, you and I are both uh I think uh two sides of the same coin, brother. And, and 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 you do what you do, and and I'm happy to do what I do in the boardroom because I think the two have to work together, and, and over time that that changed uh, how uh, the kids of color in the university place uh, learn. And in fact, now today, our kids, uh, minority kids, black boys in particular, which is I'm in that group, we outperform uh, our our non. Uh, minority, you know, the white kids in in uh, in across the state. So I think that's a plus of how we approach learning and how I was able to tell the administrators and teachers, like, you know, you really got to change your delivery. Uh, it's nothing wrong with the kids. It, it, something's wrong with the delivery, and they changed it, and and, the, and it's proven out on the numbers. 
So that's how I got into politics uh, at the school board level and, and how I got into the, into the uh, city council. Uh, I, and I don't know if uh, any of your listeners would remember this, but uh, in University Place, uh, we, for a long time, we, we wanted to build this town center. And we condemned a lot of buildings, closed a lot of businesses, and, uh, you know, you know, tried to contract with people to build this town center. And we had two contracts with big developers. And in both cases, things happened that were bad and people walked off with our money and nothing was built. And for about 20 years, we sat with a big hole in the ground in the center of our town with nothing to show for it and we're $50 million in debt. And people were upset. I was upset and complaining and grousing around. And finally, uh, my wife, uh, she's put up me for 41 years. And uh, I'm going to catch up with you and your wife, Eddie, at some point in time, but 40, 41 years. And she looked at me and said, look, um, either run for the city council or shut up talking about the problems. And I had, you know, it kind of took me back a little bit, you know, and I thought about it. Said, you know, she's right. You know, so I, I ran for the council saying that, you know, I want to uh, reduce our debt. I want to um, get our town central built. And, 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 and that's what I ran on. And I won the election. I'm in my 12th year, uh, which is three cycles. And in the middle of my, my second term, uh, we got that town center built. It's up, it's running, it's beautiful. Uh, we are uh, way less in debt than we've been. And, and so that, that's, got, that's what got me into politics. And then you have been on a number of boards. You've been uh, the chair of the Sound Transit Board, I think on more than one occasion. You're the vice chair of that board right now. Uh, how are you able to navigate that, especially being a uh, well, the press president of the Association of Washington Cities and now a board member of the National League of Cities? So how do you find time to do all that, sir? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. You know, speaking to my wife again, she thinks I'm a, I'm a, I'm a madman for wanting to do all this stuff. But, you know, I, I tell you, Eddie, it, it's a real strong passion of mine. I, I believe that, um, that uh, people that want to do right by the community, uh, that have a heart for the community and really is, is going to play it straight and fair across the board, I think that's what we need, you know, in, in politics today. I mean, we see so many examples of that not being true, uh, that uh, every day I wake up and, and every before every meeting, I, I, I just, well, well one, thing you did, one thing you didn't mention about me uh, is that I also happen to be an ordained preacher in, in, the, in the grand old church of God in Christ, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, that's the largest, you know, totally black, church organization in the world and and um that's that's where my root is and and uh i i just wake up every morning you know thanking god that i'm on this side of the grass and and that uh i, I want to make a difference for people and so i think you have to i think that you start with that mm -hmm. and, and and that gives me the energy to to do what i need to do and and i i, I can't say enough about the staff that i have work with me at sound transit and awc and you know, and the support my wife gives me. So, they, you know, I got a lot of people helping me out so I can manage all this stuff. Well, you know, uh, uh, I'm real good friends with Bishop Reggie Witherspoon, who is also my daughter's a Mount, uh, member of Mount Calvary's 
C-O-G-I-C, and she was uh, raised as a Catholic. But uh, then uh, when uh, Miss Laura and uh, Bishop Reggie adopted her as uh, their granddaughter, so, uh, mm -hmm. so she's been involved for quite a while. Uh, she was actually, her and her friends, I think, kind of not break or broke away from the Catholic Church, but they they went with Baptist, and then the, the, uh, she went to the Church of God in Christ. So yeah, I see why Lao Kwa Sim actually to do the closing prayer all the time. So everybody <laughs> needs to know that. Okay, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, that. I was just gonna say I, I, I've known Bishop Witherspoon for over forty years. Uh, he, he and I, uh, you know, before way before he was bishop, we were both just elders and preachers in and young young elders and preachers in the, in the in the church, and we used to play basketball together, and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think neither one of us playing much basketball now. <laughs> yeah, well, I, it, one thing is that if you get to be a certain age, if you get certain injuries, they don't heal properly. Right. strains and pulls and pulls. But uh, in terms of, uh, you mentioned uh, Sound Transit, who is one of the sponsors of this, this radio program. I know John T. Robinson has left, and there's an acting person right now. Uh, I've been working closely with them, and I don't have any issues. But uh, in terms of uh, ensuring that African descendants of the United States enslaved, the Black folks who've been here 400 years, what can we do to get a fair break uh, with not only Sound Transit, with all public agencies, but our history just seems to be totally disregarded. And people have to remember that the Civil Rights Movement was about Black people getting their rights. Uh, as a matter of fact, I look back at some of the film from the uh, Black and Whites from the Martin Luther King Jr. Day holidays. There were some whites who were members of the clergy, because I never will forget the white woman from Detroit, Viola by, by Luzo, who went to the uh, uh, demonstration in front of the Montgomery, uh, uh, Alabama State House and was killed after she left. So a lot of people, you know, we talk about Goodman, Schwerner, and Cheney. So there are a lot of, of well-meaning whites who were involved uh, in that. But, you know, I think about when uh, Martin Luther King Jr. came up to Seattle, Washington in 1961, uh, a large white church in downtown Seattle, University Presbyterian Church, withdrew their invitation. So the Mount Zion Brotherhood had to rent the Eagles Auditorium for him to have a downtown presence. He did speak at Temple de Hirsch as well, I will say that. So uh, just wanted to get your, your comments on where we are there. And do you think that the clergy, the Black clergy, is doing enough to lead us to economic uh, equity, or economic equality, I should say? Yeah, it, it, it's a great question, I, and I think that's the that's the that's at least for me that's the front one of the fronts that I've been fighting uh, in in uh, on since being elected. Uh, I, I've worked very hard uh, uh, since being on Sound Transit to to open the doors more to uh, to Black and Brown um, uh, both employees as well as contractors as well as uh, contract owners. And um, over the years that I've been on Sound Transit, I, I've seen that uh, our numbers, our expectations, uh, and our outcomes change uh, for the better. Uh, I will say that we're not nowhere near where I'd like for them to be, but but we're moving in that right direction. Uh, as you know, and many of your listeners knows, Sound Transit, uh, and some may not know, Sound Transit is the largest public transportation capital project program in the country, mm -hmm. you know, by far. And um, we have many opportunities uh, for, uh, for minorities to, to get engaged and be a part of, of what we're doing. Now, 
Um, uh, and, but it doesn't happen just by happenstance. Uh, I, I've been able to work with Jante while she was here uh, on along as, as well as the rest of the board and convincing them uh, that we need to really step up our game as far as setting goals for uh, DBE uh, um, and businesses and all those kinds of things like that. And, and right now, you know, we started off with a 7% um, a goal uh, for everything that we do. And we were really uh, making headway in in that. Uh, we partnered with uh, the uh, with WashDOT uh, and a lot of their programs where they're reaching out to get uh, people of color. Uh, and now uh, we really set our goals for DBE uh, to be up around the 18% tile for uh, companies that we uh, do business with uh, for 2023 to 2025. And we're on track to hit that, to hit that goal. Uh, now that's to get those companies, uh, you know, involved as far as subcontracting, things like that. What I would really like to see is, is that, um, is to have, a minority business actually become a prime contractor on one of our um, contracts that we have. And so we're working very hard um, through our office. And unfortunately, you know, I'll start that again with a new person that we end up hiring uh, and, uh, into the role that John, John Tay has been in. But um, I think that we need to begin a program where we could get a minority business that is poised uh, to be the general contractor on one of our one of our big link projects. I mean, we're talking billions of dollars. You know what? Uh, that's the aspiration that I have myself, uh, uh, Councilman Ken Kill, uh, Larry Williams. I want to thank you for your time, David. I want to introduce you to Larry Williams. Larry Williams is uh, the owner of Anchor Advertising, and uh, his company has been uh, selected as one of four companies to receive a prestigious award in New York City. And his was based on a project he did for Washington State Department of Health. Uh, and also, there's another, I don't know, if, did we get Billy Burton on? Um, he, he's not on, but he can hear you, Eddie. Okay, well, he, well is he on the phone? Will he be, yes. be able to? Okay, good. Billy, Bill Burton has uh, uh, started with the Rainier Vista Boys and Girls Club in 79. He's done such an outstanding job, Councilman, that they're naming the street in his honor tomorrow. Uh, South Oregon Street, right by the Rainier Vista Boys and Girls Club. And so uh, uh, the county executives, members of the county council will be there to uh, wish him well and congratulate him. And I'll be there myself. But Councilman Kill, I really want to thank you uh, for your time today and the work you're doing. And we're going to talk about some more strategy offline because there's some, you know, a civil rights complaint's been filed. I think I sent you a copy of it. Uh, we're not doing well with Washington State. Uh, African descent of the United States enslaved at 0.18% with Washington State uh, in 2021, the same year we filed a complaint. So thank you very much, sir. I appreciate the time. And uh, give uh, Mrs. Kill uh, my thank you as well for interrupting her schedule to allow you to be on. So we appreciate both of y'all. All right. Thank you. Okay. Nice meeting you, Councilman. Okay. 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 Uh, now, Mr. Larry Williams, uh, Anchor Advertising Group, I gave you your promotion, your, your <laughs> ad already. So, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Bill Burton. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Now, so I want to first of all say congratulations, a well-deserved honor. Uh, you know, you uh, took that club and what people said, David just was going to forget it. 
and you made it out of something. So I want to congratulate you first and foremost. And I'm happy to see that uh, part of South Oregon Street will be named Bill Burton Way. And I'm glad, also happy to see that the county executive, uh, Rod Dombowski and Gurme Sahali from the McKinney County Council will be there uh, tomorrow at 1230 uh, for your ceremony. So I just want to say congratulations. Uh, I remember uh, my late cousin, Foster Anderson Jr. played against you. He was a catcher. And I remember one time they said, whatever you do, if Billy Burton is running down from third base to home, get out the way. And, uh, and Foster didn't listen. He got nothing. So he, uh, Mr. Burton's had a, a rep all the time for good things, though, for knocking the ball out the field, out the park and stuff like that. And then for running over catchers if they got in the way. But that's a big part of the game, right? Right, Bill Burton? Yeah, it sounds good, man. Okay. So uh, are, you, have, are you retired? Are you going to be uh, continue to be around as a, a elder around the uh, Boys and Girls Club? Yes, sir, as long as I can. Yeah, so, you know, I'm, I'm still, you know, um, hey, I have uh, cancer, so I'm, like, trying to fight that and take care of my wife and, you know, take care of business here, you know, at the house. Okay. And uh, I'm still in the community. I'm like right 10 minutes away from the class. Okay, well, I got. I should have told uh, uh, Councilman Kent Kiel is also an ordained Church of God in Christ uh, uh, pastor, so I have to let him start, <laughs> folks start sending prayers up for you and your uh, uh, health issue that you're dealing with right now. So we're going to pray, and that's one thing. We, we might not be doctors, but we sure can be prayer warriors, and that's Absolutely. one thing we need yeah. to do. Uh, for a brother like you, so Bill, why don't you just give us a little background? I mean, you walked into this uh, into the Boys and Girls Club as a leader in 1979, and just share a little bit about your tenure. When did you become the area dire director and stuff like that? Okay, first of all, 79. I, I was at the uh, actually coming from the YMCA to uh, Rotary Boys and Girls Club as the program director. So I pl applied for that job. Walt Atkinson was, uh, probably remember Walt, Walt, Walt was the executive director. Mm -hmm. He's the executive director of Rainer Vista and Rotary. And so, uh, I, I, w I went there for maybe a couple of years, maybe one year or so. And, uh, then Walt, uh, resigned. So when Walt resigned, you know, I applied for the job at Rainer Vista. So I'd be a unit director. And I did that, uh, became a unit director, and then about two or three years after that, you know, um, you know I became a field service director. Field service director had three or more clubs that they were responsible for, for operations, working with the executive directors, their boards, you know, all that good stuff, uh, programming, and, and also maintenance of the building. So that was, uh, they got me a company car, and I was able to move around. So I had uh, I had five clubs, Ballard, Greenwood, Wallingford, Raina Vista, Rotary, and uh, maybe it was one more, uh, White Center, White Center. So those were, those were all my club, clubs. And then when uh, the lady that took my place at Raina Vista, she decided she wanted to go back to Ohio. That's where she was from. So when she did that, I said, well, I got to get back to the Vista because that's where my heart is. Uh, that's where I was born, 4416 Chestnut Court. Uh, I still can talk about that. Uh, 
yeah, three bedroom uh, house there, and uh, mom and dad, uh, you know, took care of us. I went to Columbia Annex, which is right, uh, right, still there. Um, it looks like some portables and stuff on Alaska, off Alaska. And uh, anyway, uh, I just thought that that uh, we needed more than that because when we were kids, we didn't have any facilities except for basketball hoop in the uh, community room in a, a sandlot that we played marbles on. So, you know, that, that, that ain't, you know, hit it for me. And so anyway, I went on to Yakima Valley College on a baseball and football co- uh, scholarship. And then uh, after that, after two years, I transferred to the University of Washington and uh, graduated in 1973 with a recreation planning and administration uh, degree. And, uh, and then uh, after that, I went to the East Madison YMCA, as I said before. So, um, you know, the bottom line is, you know, uh, Rain Vista has been my heart the whole time, working with the Seattle Housing Authority. You know, they were there when, when I was a kid. They did the best they could. But the area was uh, infiltrated with uh, uh, bloods and crips. You know, at the time, we had to, you know, do a lot of work with the Seattle Police Department, along with the uh, South Seattle Precinct, and also the, uh, the guy that was the head of the uh, police department, Chief. Uh, forget his name, but uh, anyway, we had it had to clean it up. So we got the agencies all together. Marco, yeah, that's right. It's Marco. Thank you, Ruthie. Mm-hmm. Marco, and we got all the agencies together that are on a regular basis and kind of wiped those guys out. You know, they came in giving give the uh, residents money so they can run drug, drug deals in their home. And that's against the uh, Seattle Housing Group's regulations. Mm. Anyway, that's how we clean it up. And then you know, how we move forward is uh, is uh, going across the trees all the time. We have to always come over there because we didn't have the facility, you know, that they had. And the kids started talking on the way back, and I started thinking, but I said, you know, you know, they're absolutely right because we didn't have anything when we were kids. They deserve mm-hmm. much better. So when I came back, that was some board members. And I started talking about, you know, capital campaign, see if we can, um, you know, uh, build on to this facility or, you know, get another facility. Of course, we have to go through the Seattle Island Authority because it's their land, but it actually is Hood's land uh, from uh, Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. um, because they came out and did a revitalization of projects all over the United States. New Holly, you know, uh, Yesler, Rainer Vista, High Point, you know, all of them. And so we went for, you know, trying to get that fuel in the back, you know, and get the own property. So we wound up with a um, super field. We got 200, I asked, um, got money from the, the Seattle Seahawks, 250000 for it. Turk is out there. We got a ball field where kids can play soccer. I wanted football, but it, you know, as far as the length wise and area didn't fit, you know, the length that we need. 
but also we had the parking lot, the 92 bar parking stalls. We had the uh, uh, little uh, uh, where kids climb on the swings and all that stuff out front, the play area, you know, and then we got the facility. The facility, um, back in the day, was the largest boys and girls club in the country in public housing. And, uh, and congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I see why. I see why they're having a ceremony for you and everybody's showing up because that's an outstanding resume you have. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll see you guys tomorrow. I'll be there at 1230, but we're out of time. Barry Williams, I want to thank you for hooking us up. We're going to have you back on right before you go get the award. And if anybody want to sponsor him, uh, go to WL Williams at AOL.com. Uh, <laughs> help him go back and get the hardware for a well-deserved honor. So yeah. uh, thank you all very much. Uh, Bill Burton, thank you, man. And I'll see you tomorrow. Congratulations. Okay. Well at, 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 at 1230 tomorrow at, at, at Martin Luther King Jr. Way and Bill Burton Way. That, that's two black men intersecting on the highway to heaven. <laughs> all right, 4520, Martin Luther King Jr. Way South. There you go. Okay. All right, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for having us on. Okay, absolutely. I'll see you guys tomorrow. So thank you very much. Eric, we're going to take the break and come back. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.com. Org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Some people know a good thing when they hear it. Alternative Talk 1150. Eddie Ryan back at Urban Forum Northwest rocking to Al Green. I want to thank Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion, the Port of Seattle's Diversity and Contracting Office, the Seattle Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Department, the SeaTac Bar Group LLC, that own the African Lounge and Out Mountain Room Bar and Concourse A at SeaTac, the two brothers from Las Vegas. My next guest is a distinguished, the illustrious chair of the Seattle Martin Luther King Organizing Coalition, Ms. Shade Moore. 
who just had a dynamite turn. I prayed for sunshine on Monday, and the Lord did not let me down. But we I was kidding when I said I wanted to rain the rest of the month. It was just sunshine on Monday. So I'm glad that he let me slide because the sun is shining right now. So Sade, that was a very outstanding event on Monday. Uh, why don't you share with our listeners some of the highlights uh, that caught your eye from Monday's uh, event? Well, I'll just say this, Eddie. There has been a lot of feedback that has been pouring in from the community um, as we wrapped up Monday's event. Uh, but not only Monday, uh, the week prior, we had uh, several virtual workshops that received great feedback from the community as well. Um, on Sunday, we had our uh, Young Leaders event, uh, which we partnered with Rainier Avenue Radio. Um, and it was just great to see the turnout at Garfield after having two years of being uh, restricted by COVID, couldn't be in Garfield, had to be outdoors. Uh, our numbers were low, but we still made it work throughout all, uh, you know, of the challenges that were faced those those last two years. So, um, I mean, for me, it was just great to see the people come out. Um, I was able to see a lot of folks in the community that, that I haven't seen in years, which was great. So it was really like a family reunion on King Day. Um, like you had mentioned, we had some great weather uh, that many of us prayed for. I know the day before we had some rain and the day before that we had some cloudy uh, skies as well as rain. Uh, so, I mean, even, you know, like I said, the weather itself worked out for us. Um, so we're really grateful for that. Uh, it was really amazing to see how the partnership with NAM came together. As many of you know, uh, NAM reopened their doors on King Day uh, after being uh, closed uh, since COVID. So it was difficult for them. But to see that community turnout at the end rally was amazing. To be able to partner with Lanisha um, and her team, her staff, um, and to see the wonderful exhibit at NAM um, highlighting uh, the King County Seattle March and Rally for over 40 years was amazing. To see the pictures that have been shared by our photographer, our digital mastermind, uh, Susan Freed, uh, as well as other folks from our coalition that have helped put that together. Um, left me in tears. I was crying like a baby when I seen it because I, it was just so wonderful to see all of the history of the March and Rally. Eddie, you being a part of that, one of the founders as well, seeing you there, seeing your name as well on that list. I mean, it was just, a, it was a sight for eyes. So that for me was one of my major events. We had some great speakers and performers that day. Um, I mean, we had a powerhouse of, of supporters and donors. Uh, all the way from, you know, the start of the day during our in-person workshops and our opportunity fair. Um, we had several vendors that were able to set up tables inside of the commons and outdoors. Um, we partnered with uh, a, a magnitude of different Black-owned businesses. Um, we had a really beautiful balloon art display uh, indoors and outdoors that you've never seen before. Um, it was just amazing. Great volunteers that day. We appreciate all the volunteers that support us. Um, our, our team that was behind the scenes from the start to the end, or from the uh, start to the end. Um, there's just so much again that I can say that went well that day after being closed down for two years, not being in Garfield. I also want to give a shout out to Garfield High School's principal, uh, Dr. Terrence Hart, uh, who has been uh, supporting uh, me and our team since he became the principal and took over for Ted Howard. Um, he has been great to work with. I love seeing how. Um, you know, it's been great to just have that handshake as they continue to change their leadership at the school. Um, uh, Ted was amazing. Um, uh, Dr. Hart is amazing. He's from Montgomery. Um, he wasn't able to be there that day, but, you know, we still 
uh, made sure that we sent him some information. Um, and then last but not least, our interns. We have two interns. Uh, one was a senior at Garfield, another is a junior. Uh, our interns came out, they were in the front of the march, they were holding up the banner, they were helping, you know, at last minute needs. So, I mean, it was just really a family affair for our community that day. In terms of, uh, I've been asked about the virtual workshops. Is there still a way for people who are interested to access the virtual workshops or any part of the activities on Monday? We are working on that recording. Um, I don't believe that the in-person workshops were recorded. Um, but our workshop team is trying to put together uh, kind of a, an after action report on ways that folks can access any links or any information that was shared by their presenters. Uh, so more to come from that, those that um, are looking for content, uh, we will share that not only in our, uh, our email subscription list, but also on our social media platforms. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, we should be having all that together. I would say by mid-February, it is an overhaul. We do have a small but mighty team, uh, but more information to come on how to access those recordings as well as that information from the workshops. And uh, I just want to give the uh, interns a shout out again. Uh, Kimani Leonard, 10th grade at Tahoma High School. Uh, 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 Brian Watson, 12th grade at Garfield High School. Kobe Williams is in 10th grade at O'Day. He got a lot of hits on uh, on my Facebook page. Mm. Uh, Brooklyn Brooks, she didn't make it because she had a doctor's appointment that when we had them on the air, but she was there. And then there was, is it Naomi Haile Selassie? Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah, she was on as well. So I always believe in, in uh, uh, making sure that the young folks get a shout out and let them know that they're not overlooked. And uh, I must say under your leadership, you guys have really done a lot to embrace the young folks. Uh, and I think that's very, very, very important. And I'm sure that next year I've had some calls already about how can people sign up to be an intern at the CL Martin Luther King Organizing <laughs> Coalition? How can they sign up? Can they go to the www.seattlemlkcoalition.org and get information? How can they do that? So typically when it comes to our internship program, um, myself as well as the entire executive team put together the materials roughly in uh, early August, and we send them out to the schools around September. So when school starts for all the students. So we reach out to, uh, you know, the public school offices, administrative teams, we reach out to principals, we reach out to some of the, you know, uh, any advisors or, uh, or liaisons that we know in the community that work with the schools or with students. Um, but for anyone, let's say you, you uh, manage a program where you're working with the youth um, and you want your youth to be involved, you can definitely go to our website, go to the contact us page, submit an inquiry. That inquiry will go to our webmaster and then it will come to me. And then we'll make sure we put you on a list for next year to receive those comms, or sorry, this year to receive those comms when we launch our internship program again for the fourth year. Well, Shade, I want to thank you very much for your outstanding leadership and whatever I can do to back you up. You know, you got me on the wings. I'll be waiting along with the rest of the OGs. That's old guys that were involved with MLK, not old gangsters, but old guys that was involved <laughs> with MLK. So thank you very much for your leadership. And I'll pass that information on to the people who've inquired about since the interns have been on Facebook and also on radio. We got a lot of interest now, so I want to make sure they get to you. So thank you very much for your leadership. We appreciate your time today. Thank you, Eddie. And one other quick plug before we end. Our interns this year were able to have their names and photos in the museum. So that was a really big hit for them. A lot of them were really honored and proud to see that their families 
So again, just for next year's or this year's interns, uh, we're looking forward to bringing in more youth. So thank you again, Eddie. Okay, thank you, Sade. Okay, now we'll go to uh, the artist extraordinaire, uh, Mr. Kia Ward, who is, uh, was highlighted in last Sunday's Seattle Times, had a whole section, a big, huge page on the front page with some of the work she's done, like the, uh, the, uh, the Black Lives uh, Matter mural on Pine Street. She has another one in the Midtown on 23rd and uh, uh, Union. And uh, she has just been exemplary in terms of her work. So I'd just like to have you uh, talk a little bit about yourself, Ms. Ward. Uh, and I guess I know some wards that went to Garfield, but I don't know if, they, I mean, is there one that graduated in 59? Uh, no, my my aunt, Vanessa Ward, actually graduated in 74, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay well, I, well, wards, I guess, you know, I, I, there are a lot of wards that went to Garfield. So yes. I, I thought maybe you were hooked up with them. So anyway, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about how you got the, this talent that you have that you exhibited that, that, that really caught the eyes of uh, the major newspaper in town. So why don't you share a little bit about how you got involved and how you extended to the heights that you're experiencing right now? Uh, thank you so much, Eddie, for that. Um, and again, thank you for having me on your show. It's always a pleasure to share space with you and converse with you and converse with the leaders of, of our community. Um, like you said, my name is Takiya Ward. I am an artist and entrepreneur born and raised in Seattle, Washington. I'm second generation born in the city. Uh, my family uh, migrated here in the 60s. Um, from from Texas and Louisiana, respectively. Um, my grandfather, Raymond Ward Sr., um, owned a number of businesses um, in the Central District area, um, residential, uh, residential houses as well. Um, so our family is one of those legacy families that was a part of that um, Central District that people have come to know um, around the city and around the world for being historically Black. Um, so my, my, artist, my artistic sort of skills and understanding and creativity really come from where I come from, from, from my hometown, from the CD. Growing up in the Central District, going to Martin Luther King Elementary School, um, being ingrained in Dr. King's legacy um, through Martin Luther King Elementary School. I spoke um, in the article as well about um, his impact, you know, obviously on the community and on, you know, just going to his school, um, being understanding of his legacy from a very, very young age and understanding that, you know, um, Black lives do matter from a very young age, you know, even before that term was even existing, we knew we were, we were understanding of the fact that, you know, we were, we were here for a reason and, and you know, our dreams mattered. Um, so art has been a part of my life for honestly, as long as I can remember. Um, I believe that that is my purpose in, in this life. And so that is what I try to champion in any way that I can. Um, I see art in everything in every aspect of life. And that's why I consider myself more of a creative nowadays. Um, I think it's important for people to think creatively. Um, and I think uh, art is a great way to get regular folks to kind of understand that creativity is, is an important intrinsic part of, of human life and society. Um, again, just growing up in the CD, obviously Seattle is a very artistic city. Um, we're kind of known for our sort of like eclectic and niche and more grunge and all that kind of stuff. Um, but art and, and different types of art are, are very much championed and supported here in, in Seattle. Um, you know, and I think we've definitely come, you know, come to be known for that. Um, graduated high school, Garfield High School, class of 2005. Um, you know, I did a little bit of art there. It's actually where I started my business, Teed Up Customs, which is how um, 
I really become known around the city is through customizing sneakers, clothing, hats, jackets. Uh, my motto is you name it, I'll paint it. And so in high school, I would always, you know, paint people's outfits for school dances and events and things like that. So I kind of made a name for myself and developed that hobby, you know, while I was at Garfield High School. Um, when I went to college, I studied architecture because you got to have a plan, right? You got to have a plan A when it comes to, you know, being able to sustain and take care of yourself in this life. So I studied architecture at the New York Institute of Technology, um, wasn't able to finish for financial reasons, came home, um, you know, was working nine to fives, wasn't feeling creative, all those types of things, and decided to take a leap of faith in 2016 and start um, turning my hobby of customizing clothing into a business, which is what people know, now know as T-Dub Customs. Um, so through T-Dub Customs, I started doing vendor markets around Seattle, um, literally painting t-shirts and things like that on the spot. I would bring a bunch of blank t-shirts and I would ask folks, hey, what do you want your shirt to say? And they would give me some slogan or some image and I would paint it right there on the spot. So people really became like started to know me for that. And that's kind of how the buzz around my name kind of got around the city. And of course, Seattle, you know, being from here in Seattle, being so small, you know, my name kind of got around pretty fast. <laughs> so how did you uh, how did you guys come together to do the Black Lives mural on Pine Street? Right. So how that happened was essentially, you know, we were in the pandemic. Um, everybody's quarantined. Everybody's in their houses. We're all kind of like, you know having to go through a global pandemic together in this really, you know, unprecedented way. Um, you know, so we're going through that. I actually got COVID at the beginning of 2020, which really sat me down in a real way. It kind of forced me to reflect on my life and what I really wanted it to, to look like. Um, so in that time, I did a lot of, you know, unlearning and, and self-reflection and just taking care of myself. Um, beginning, you know, mid-2020, you know, obviously with the murder of George Floyd, um, that really, you know, lit a fire in me personally when it came to, you know, this conversation. And just given the fact that we had gone through a global pandemic and Black men were still being murdered at the hands of police, you know, that's not something that I felt that I could I could sit idly by for. Um, personally, um, I'm not necessarily one to like go out in the streets and like riot and, you know, protest and do all those kind of things. So I figured I'd use my, my gift, my skill, um, to really spread a message and, and, you know, do art through activism. So what ended up happening was, uh, the Chop Chaz had, you know, formed on Capitol Hill. Um, it created an opportunity for us, um, to, you know, do what we did in a way that wasn't happening in other places around the country. Um, the first Black Lives Matter mural was was created in Washington, D.C., right in front of the Capitol. And that was sort of sparked, um, you know, our interest here. And then what ended up happening was another mural was um, was created in North Carolina. And in that mural, um, each artist did a letter. And so from that, we were like, yo, we got to do it. We got to do it that way. And that was maybe a Tuesday afternoon. By Wednesday, we were out there on Capitol Hill painting the mural. So it was really like a like a real like street renegade kind of effort. Me and a couple of friends got some materials together, you know, paid for paint with our own money. Um, I, I curated the list of artists who were responsible for the mural. And I just kind of hit up the people that I knew could do it and do it quickly and was like, listen, we're about to do this thing. Are you guys down? Thankfully, you know, everybody answered the call. And so within 48 hours, we had created something that was seen around the world. That's great. And uh, if people want to see some of your work, they can go up to Midtown on 23rd and Union and see your work there. Well, you know what? You need about a half an hour on this program because you've done so much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're going to have to have next time you have a project coming up. Please let us know so we can get you on the air before the project gets done. And then we'll get you on the air again Absolutely. after it's done. OK, thank you very much for your time today. And two hours after this uh, live program, uh, your interviews will be available on Alexa and also on my podcast. So uh, it's not like 
nobody will hear you after the, we go off the air. They can right. hear you all week and all year on urbanforumnw.com, which is my website. You'll be up, up on that website for a year. So thank you very much, Kia. We really appreciate what you're doing. Like I said, keep me posted on, on your work because I think it's important for us to keep that out there before the public. So thank you very much. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Y'all have a good day. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, Eric, we're going to take this break before we come back with Lanisha DeBartlebin from NAM. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Alternative Talk 1150, online at 1150kknw.com. All right, thank you, Eric, with Sly and the Family Stone. My next guest is a distinguished president and CEO of the Northwest African American Museum of the Northwest. And uh, that is Anisha DeBartlebin, who did a grand opening. The museum was uh, had a grand opening on Monday on Dr. King's birthday, and as Sade mentioned earlier, the march ended up at the museum. So uh, tell us a little about what happened, transpired on Monday, this uh, president and CEO. We're so happy to be here with you, Eddie. Thanks so much for having us. We are delighted to announce that the Northwest African American Museum is reopened. Folks can come and enjoy the exhibitions and experience what's new here at the museum. The grand reopening happened on Dr. King Day and we had a grand celebration. The theme that day was all here and now. And it was based on Dr. King's words who said uh, to this nation that we want all of our rights, we want them here and we want them now. And the keynote conversation uh, speaker for that day was Jesse Williams, uh, acclaimed actor and activist. And we had a variety of activities for the entire family that day. And now that the museum is open, we invite people to come and enjoy the exhibitions. We have a partnership with the Onyx Fine Arts Collective. 
We have five pieces of art on display from Black artists from the Onyx in our new community living room. It's a beautiful space where folks can just come and, and be and relax and, and enjoy Black art and Black literature, Black culture, Black children's games are in our community living room. It's something for everybody there. And then in our Northwest Gallery, we have an exhibition called The Colors of Life. We're showcasing four African-American abstract artists, names you are familiar with, like Vincent Keel, Yegi Michael, but also some new names, uh, Black woman artists from Spokane, Chantel Jackson, who is an abstract artist, she's on display, as well as uh, Lomar Mitoyer, up and coming. Uh, amazing abstract artists. And so these abstract arts are colorful, they're vibrant, they're reflective, they cause us to contemplate and celebrate life and the regathering of community. And we're delighted to showcase a wonderful exhibition celebrating the 40-year history of the MLK Organizing Coalition March. We showcase that history through photographs taken by Susan Pride. And that exhibition is called A Long Walk to Hope. And uh, it tells the story through photographs. We were so delighted that for the first time that I understand, the march ended here at the Northwest African American Museum. Was it the first time, Eddie? The very first time. Historic day. This is a historic year for our community. It was a beautiful celebration to see the MLK annual march end here on the day of the grand reopening of this museum. NAM um, was closed for nearly three years, but we didn't stop our mission. Simply our doors were closed. We kept innovating, we created the choir, we distributed nearly 20,000 African-American children's books as part of our Knowledge is Power program. We created our own children's cartoon character called Just Jason that appears on our monthly interactive story time for kids. We didn't stop. But now that our doors are back open, we want the community to come out and enjoy what's new at NAM. There's so much newness. We created a, an entry space that's called the Hall of Healing and Hope because we feel that's what our community needs most urgently is this um, sense of healing and hope from within. And when we when we do that, we're stronger together. Uh, you've done so much. I'm trying to see what do you have on the, what is on the horizon for programs or guest artists or anything like that coming up in the very near future for the Northwest African American Museum? Absolutely. So later this month, we are inducting our next James Baldwin Fellow. Last year, Marcus Green was the inaugural James Baldwin Fellow. This year, um, Ijeoma Aluo is the inaugural, uh, she's the, the second James Baldwin Fellow. We'll be celebrating her writings about um, race, racism, and equity on January um, 24th, I believe. It's coming up this month. And then we have Black History Month coming up. And we have a variety of programs on Rosa Parks's birthday, February 4. We're having a Black History Month movie night, and we'll be screening a documentary film about Rosa Parks and the lesser known stories about her resilience and her activism. 
we will be having a, an in-person conversation with the curator of the Smithsonian's National Museum of African-American History and Culture. Dr. Damian Thomas will be our Black History Month keynote speaker on February 16th. We will be having a variety of artist talks throughout uh, February and into March with all of these Black artists that we have showcased. They'll each have an evening with the artist. And folks will be invited to come out and, and see this art and get to know these artists and understand what inspires them about art and what's their vision for the future of our community and of our region. March is Women's History Month, and we're really centering Black women's health and wellness this year. And we are so delighted that our Black his that our Women's History Month keynote speaker will be uh, Jacqueline uh, Hamer Flakes, the daughter of Fannie Lou Hamer. She'll be uh, coming to Seattle and engaging with us about the legacy and the leadership of her mother, Fannie Lou Hamer. And that's just the beginning of what we have planned at the newly reopened Northwest African American Museum. In November, uh, I think 6th, 7th, and 8th of 2021, you were responsible for bringing Martin Luther King III to town. And also I had the opportunity to interview him at the University of Washington. So uh, you've been doing some fantastic things with this. So, I mean... What can people do to support you and the museum? We encourage folks to join the museum as a member. Memberships start as little as $10 for young people and, and it goes up from there. Membership allows the museum to continue to offer these programs in an accessible way to the community. So we encourage people to visit our website, follow us on social media, join us as a member, volunteer with us, and uh, become a part of this family because uh, the mission of this museum is, is vital, it's essential. We've placed a beautiful African proverb in our community living room and it says, we wish two things for our children. The first is roots, the second is wings. All right that, now. That's, that's, that's our work. Well, Lanisha, I'll tell you one thing, you hit it right on the head. I'm so proud to know you, such a distinguished leader and you know your stuff. So when you got something coming up, please give me a call. We can get you back on the air. We appreciate what you're doing. And thank you very much for your time today. And thank you for Monday. So thank we'll you. see you later. Okay. Thank you. All right. Okay. I want to go ahead and give these folks a shout out once again. Uh, the Sound Transit's Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion. Uh, my friend, John T. Robinson, has departed. And there's an acting uh, administrator there, the Port of Sales Diversity and Contracting Office, with me and Rice, Lawrence Coleman, and Josie Regan. Uh, it was good to see you guys at the Opportunity Fair on Martin Luther King Day at Garfield. Uh, the City of Seattle uh, Purchase and Construction Services uh, Department and also uh, the SeaTac Bar Group LLC uh, have the Mountain Room Bar and the uh, African Lounge on Concourse A out of SeaTac. And uh, we will probably have someone from the Congressional Black Caucus on next week so we can talk about what this new structure uh, in terms of... Uh, the Republicans having the leadership and some of the things they're asking for. So anyway, Eric, thank you very much. And this has been another edition of Urban Forum Northwest. Thank you for your attention. And once again, you can get this program on Alexa and my podcast shortly after the live program is over. Have a good weekend and talk to you later.